right or wrong, good or bad, black or white. These are all polarities that we face in our daily existence. But let's take a look at a new one to ponder. Love or consciousness? Which do you choose regularly? Which would you choose in your relationship? If you have children, which would you choose to tap into to parent them? There is no right or wrong answer as we dance in this polarity. And it's a thought exercise for us to make better and more aware choices for whatever the situation we are facing. So if you like to ponder, then this app will make your mind wander. Just a reminder to check out our Q&A live sessions on the off weeks that the podcast is released. So if the podcast is released on a Monday, the following Sunday is when our Q&A for that specific episode will take place. And of course, on these Q&As, we do discuss topics that were in the previous episode, but also any questions that you may have about the philosophy itself. You can join us on Zoom, Facebook, or YouTube. And just don't be shy with your questions. And finally, I would absolutely love it if you would all take some time to go to our Wise Wise iTunes page and rate and review our podcast to help boost our ranking so we can get seen and heard by more people. I have posted instructions on our social media and in our podcast community group on Facebook on exactly how to do this if anybody needs that. We have had a handful of new reviews and that has helped us climb the rankings. So thank you all for your participation in that. And now let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander Uncovering our authentic self Through self-awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility Love or consciousness? (laughs) That is the question (laughs) Can we be in love and in consciousness at the same time? Or are there times that you would necessarily be in one but not in the other? And I think this is a great topic to just think about. I think yeah. there's... I mean, that, and that's what this episode is going to be. It's going to just be um, a consider this kind of open discussion. And these are topics that I've looked at very deeply for a long period of time. And we have a list of, I think, seven or eight of them. And they do fit into the the whole polarity view, uh, that they do exist, they coexist. But the question of whether they can truly happen simultaneously, and typically when I ask people that question, if they had to choose between love or consciousness, everyone says both. I happen to feel that In our human experience, we do have experiences to where we have to choose between the two. And raising kids is uh, one of these areas, and how we operate in our intimate relationships is, is another area. So this is just an interesting topic, and I'm looking forward to just being lighthearted about it and not authoritative in any way and uh, just uh, really... A stimulating conversation. Yeah, I think there's a lot of different perspectives that we are going to discuss. And and with this being an open-ended conversation, I don't really have a lot of notes to, to uh, you know, on certain things to touch upon. So I kind of like that unknown uh, that we're entering into. But I think just to, you know, kind of do a reset on the conversation, can we go into what is like our definition of love that we're going to be discussing and our definition of consciousness, just so people have an idea of those terms. Yeah, and I think this is a good practice for everyone to try uh, as far as the those t- 
taking time to define those two terms and and to define and discuss that with people that you're close to. So, you know, love, um, you know, whether you come from a perspective of the emotional love that most everyone is experiencing or the so-called unconditional love, uh, that, that term, is, I think, is still very unknown or, or very misunderstood. And it's uh, possibly in a whole other episode, even to where I feel that that energy is held in the body and the chakra system is potentially between the first and second chakra rather than the emotional love that's held in the heart chakra. Would you describe the unconditional love as the same feeling that one would feel if they, as some have explained it, if somebody has died and gone to the other side, Mm -hmm. they felt that like, Un, like how would they would describe unconditional love where you're just with one you're with god you're with source would yeah that be the it's same? uh yeah it's, it's similar with you know there's no rules in that there's no expectations there's there's no attachment uh there's just appreciation for that unconditional love and that's why intimate people experiencing this is very very challenging now the younger generations are uh, playing around with things such as polygamy and there's calling it an advanced way of looking at relationships. And I'm not here to say that it's more advanced or not, but it's, a, it is a different view. So it's very challenging for people to develop intimacy and give that freedom simultaneously. And so typically, uh, mothers carry this for their kids and it's really nothing, for many mothers, nothing that the child can do that that will hinder that love from being from being there. That's where it gets down with consciousness, you know, to consider that that is anything that is experienced purely without preferences, without resistance, without judgment, and that is like an uh, an a sensation that. Is very hard to describe like unconditional love is. It's an experience that is different maybe for each person. But for me, it's not being in reaction in any way, shape, or form or not being in any resistance. You're completely consumed by the present and carry no preference for anything to be any different. That question of when it comes down to it, you know, do you help someone you love break a pattern? Do you show them something that they don't want to see about themselves and help them to remain more conscious? Or do you love and support them for exactly where they are and who they are and and how they're expressing themselves? This isn't a debate uh, to of which one's better. It just really comes down to which one each individual really wants to support more. They're both needed, and in the world of polarity, they both have to be here. But that's what we're really talking about is what kind of relationship are you really looking for? One that is loving and nurturing first, or one that brings consciousness and helps you to see things that is keeping you stuck? And so that is the so-called choice that we're just discussing here uh, from my point of view between the love and consciousness. And I I'd like to ask you the same question to just kind of give your overview of the view of those two or, or from your experience. Well, that is a good question. Like we've discussed in the past, love is such a loaded term. So do you want to know like my, like how I would define them or how I would, how, how I would define them for this podcast? Because I would kind of lean more towards how society would define them, I think, um, mm-hmm. than how I personally would, if that makes sense. Right, right. Well, I, I think, you know, take whatever road you're most comfortable with. I mean, I, th- I think, um, I agree, if we're, if we're going to define them for this conversation, love is going to be more of an emotional and attachment type of love and consciousness. If I had to, like, 
play with these terms and see how they were related, I would say if you're in the unconditional love, you're also in consciousness at the same time. So there is that crossover there. But I think in this plane, we we're kind of separated from that when we're in our human bodies and it's very hard. And maybe this is what we're ultimately seeking is to bridge the gap between those two. And that's what enlightenment is. Maybe. It's a, that's a, it's a beautiful vision anyway. But yes, yeah, separating that love definition from truly unconditional love that I do happen to feel when you're in that pure consciousness, you're, you're in that pure unconditional love. But that's not the love that most people are out here experiencing day to day. When that child needs direction, do you approach the child from a point of giving them direction, showing them uh, how they can better perform that next time, or do you just support them? And this is, you know, the kind of information I feel like that the the cards in the human design that we break down with your birthday information really helps because it really depends on the individual. But we're going to keep this to just kind of open discussion. And, you know, I've played around with this concept now intentionally for 26 years. And it is a very interesting concept in how what is the most loving thing to do for someone that you care about, whether that is to teach them whether it is to just show them compassion, to just nurture them. There's many different approaches, but I think it's useful for everyone to just kind of pause and really consider what they think as an individual is the most loving act to nurture, to help, to teach, to exemplify, because that's that's kind of what determines whether the energy goes more toward a loving action or a more so-called conscious action. And just to bring in those two things that you mentioned to consider, the to teach or to nurture, if we, if we look at those, there's also like the, a polarity around those as well. Because if you're nurturing, you're not pointing out what could be done better, but you're also nurturing them um, maybe if they had self-judgment or just letting them know that that they're safe. Mm-hmm. But if you're teaching them, then you're, you're kind of, you could trigger some of the uh, need to feel into their feelings or need um, to be safe before feeling like they're ready mm-hmm. to hear, you know, how to fix it. Yes, yes. And of course, these are all used together optimally, but... They have to be in some kind of order. Something has to come before the other. So that's why just this general conversation helps people, I feel like, to just look at that, break out of that of like, how do I approach? What is my most loving act? With me, uh, especially over the last, um, I would say, couple of years looking at this very deeply, it's helped me to break down my actions and the order. And typically... I see that I show up to be the protector first and then the teacher and then the nurturer and then the provider. There is no right or wrong order with that. But when I come to an emergency situation, and this is how to measure that, you come to an emergency situation with somebody that you love very much. With me, I'm going to secure the perimeter First, I'm going to get over them and make sure that the environment is safe. And then I'm going to ask them, do they know what's happened? And give them information in that moment of something that possibly could have helped and then immediately nurture. And then I'm going to take care of whatever needs to be provided. So with some people, they provide first. They're providers. And so I think this really helps an individual to see how they respond. And then the next test is to do a test of how you think that your mate likes to receive in what order. And I see that looking back in, in many different types of relationships that everyone doesn't respond to my order. So I've learned over the last few years to change that order up depending on who I'm dealing with. And then that is a good practice for me, but it still is working against my so-called nature. And so 
what kind of relationship I really want to be in is really largely determined around that order of of what feels good to go through in that order. And so uh, do you have any idea of what you would say that your order would be with those four? I think it would be provider first, then maybe teacher, then nurturer, or, or I may I may switch those two those two up, and then protector maybe as mm-hmm. the fourth, if I had to guess. But I do know like provider has been my my thing, my go to right. go to, yeah. And most people aren't just aware of that, and that's why I think um, you know just ranking these four in what order, and and then you know, rank them, rank your mate to what you think they'll be and then maybe ask them to do the, to actually do it and see how close that you're seeing that because many times this is a direct connection to the harmony that uh, a couple has that if a person's looking to receive in the order that the other person gives, it's a direct connection and it they, they experience a lot of harmony. And it, it limits the amount of friction at the beginning or when the honeymoon phase kind of tapers off because I mean, people can make it if they're, if they can be conscious about it, uh, it, it will just take some work to adjust both of those. But, yeah. but if they are already match up, then, you know, it will feel like it's more free flowing and more meant to be. Yes. Uh, in and a sense. and I, I've seen from my experience that, you know, that happens very rarely because typically opposites attract And so this is one of the key places that I help couples when I do consulting to help conscious communication between, you know, two people. That's this is one of the places that I start. And normally those the way the giving and the receiving is happening is is in a very different order. So would you recommend uh, a couple having this conversation at the beginning or or, you know, if they've been a couple and they're just coming upon this information to do it as soon as possible where you would ask, you know, what is our relationship based around? Is it based around love and nurturing first and then consciousness after? Or is it based around self-growth and, and you know, finding what is best for us individually as people to grow and prosper and then kind of merge that together? Yeah, I think, you know, once again, it's per couple or per individual and how they we're going to communicate that. You know, it can be done in cycles. I like to kind of utilize a, a neutral third party, which is the, the cards, the destiny card system has reports that's for individuals or for couples and you can do yearly couples or lifetime. And the yearly really breaks down like what the, the planetary influences are supporting. And so to me, that's the, neutral third party to kind of say, hey, this is what the universe is supporting. And sometimes I'm the moon to somebody and the moon is a supportive role and I may be the moon to them that year. And then the next year they may be the moon to me. And this is the beauty of relationships to see that we were really designed to pass roles back and forth and to really develop as a team. And this is why I'm so um, interested in helping people develop their masculine and feminine within themselves because the more balanced you are in those two roles with yourself, then when you come together with a partner, see, it's not like two people coming together. It's like four people coming together. And this is the way that I worked with the Sherry to raise Ian and Ryan is that we uh, we had two separate homes, actually, and but the rules were very similar at both. And she and I both carried the, a very similar authoritative type approach that we worked on together. And so the boys never attempted to divide us, to just work with it in a way that you're truly flexible and looking to work with your partner rather than set a rigid way of we're going to do it this way or we're going to do it that way. Because where kids are concerned, that brings in a whole other level because now, you know, the authority is a little bit more important because you've got a, a, another being that you're directing there. So all of these variables play a role, but I think it's good to just get, you know, conversation going and to see which is more important, the seeking consciousness and, and self-growth and, and changing to be a, a better 
self, therefore being a better unit, or really working on the the nurturing and how you approach it, you know, from that aspect as far as just basically allowing one another to be exactly who they are. And this comes down, I think, to whether a person wants to stand in change for themselves and say, no, I'm asking you to help me with this. And when I'm weak, I want you to help me. Or they're not strong enough to stand in that and they want to keep their change, you know, just to themselves. Um, So I think it comes to just whatever level somebody really wants to be working on self-development. And of course, you know, everything in balance. So it could just depend on the right place, right time, right location, all that, right? And that's that flexibility that I'm talking about and that how you can actually work with your partner and and we can help with these reports so you can see, once again, what the, the universe is supporting, what roles it's supporting you to play. I know just to touch upon an example of what you're talking about with the reports, uh, I was in a relationship a couple of years ago and, um, well, I guess I'll bring up the cryptocurrency again <laughs> since it was such a, a big period of my life when we first started the podcast because I mm-hmm. actually went back and started listening to some of the old episodes around acceptance and we were talking about the crypto stuff. But during that year, my significant other, I was, no, sorry, she was the moon to me. The supportive role? No, sorry. I was the moon to her. You okay? were the supportive yes, role. Yes, I was supposed to be the supportive role. I had I did not know that at the time. And she told me I should sell the crypto when it was high. And I feel like, and, and you know, I, I would like to think that had I known, had I had that information, I would have paid way more attention to me being, being the moon to her. Right. and Which makes her the sun to clear yes. up, and the sun normally directs, and the moon follows or supports. And because I didn't have that information, I kind of just went off my subconscious, kind of went off how the relationship kind of naturally had its structure. And because I had been immersing myself into all the information and, you know, the trading, I kind of chose to make the decision on my own versus um, really giving her her view um, more weight um, than I did. I should have given it more weight, especially that, that I was the moon to her. Right, right. And that's how we can, uh, we just released an episode on tools and how to utilize tools. And sometimes we focus too much on tools and then sometimes we get too caught in life and uh, forget the tools that we do have. And that's why I do appreciate uh, both the human design and the destiny card system. Uh, they are tools that you can go to when you need that neutral uh, view, so to say. Lately, I've been talking about and writing poetry about being in the moment because it's something that I've been able to do for small periods of time, or at least think I do. I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess we don't really know until we know, but do we really know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) It could be, I guess that was a little poetry right there. (laughs) I mean, because everybody's experience could be different. We don't know. But what I think I'm doing, I feel like I'm hitting close to that universal love. I'll say universal, not unconditional, but universal love and consciousness and just kind of everything's still and you kind of just you can just absorb the details of the moment and there's no like input output other than kind of what you're visualizing or sensing using the all all the five senses mm-hmm. and you're kind of just in that space of enjoying the world for what it is in that moment and not thinking about you know tomorrow or yesterday or any of that mm-hmm. so i don't know does that describe kind of what would being in the moment to you yeah yeah, no. Uh, so beautiful description. You're not, you're not seeking anything. You're not uh, wanting anything. And that's, you know, I have a saying that I don't need to entertain and I don't need to be entertained. Just not being bothered is is the saying. But that's just like what you described. That you're not looking to be entertained. You're not looking to entertain. And you're not being bothered or you're not allowing anything to bother. And that's the space, you know, that sometimes I call the void. And we discussed like doing a podcast around the void because that that look 
where someone is lost, I used to have that look because I was thinking about a million things while this person is talking to me. And now I have a similar look, but it is the look of the void. And, um, you know, it's it's intoxicating. I love the void. But uh, whether you call it the void or the present moment, um, there is a slight difference. But I think what you were describing as the present moment and just being in appreciation for what everything you're experiencing there, that's an incredible place to be. And what this work really helps to um, to maintain. And that's the key is that there are many, even drugs, um, alcohol, uh, many different meditation, yoga practices, running that gets people to have experiences. But then the problem is uh, how long they can maintain it and more quickly access it. So this is why going through and making these mental check-ins of like the order that we do things and how we relate this all helps from the mental aspect to for us to understand ourselves better and the better we understand and accept ourselves the better we understand and accept our external environment yeah because i feel like i can't get to that moment unless i'm kind of um i've released any sort of tension or built up uh emotion that is kind of like the daily emotion, I yeah. guess. And yeah. maybe even like long-term emotional stuff too. But you have to kind of be like neutral in, inside. That's why most people just have accumulated so much that they don't even realize it. And when you start clearing that stuff out and uh, truly looking, that's one thing that this pandemic has given an opportunity for many people to do a lot of emotional cleansing and it slowed everything down and I think there are people that have taken great advantage of that, and I know that I have, and uh, seen it as a blessing. That's why wisdom is in the emptying, and knowledge is in the learning. You know, seek the wise. Uh, the wise know to empty, but we have to be willing to go through the vulnerability, and uh, our culture has taught us that that is weak for a long time, so... So these are just some of the stigmas we got to change and that strength is in the release and the crying. Uh, when you cry from a point of release and strength rather than being a victim. So uh, so we're changing the way that the masculine energy is seen and to see that the divine masculine is just as important uh, and needed as the divine feminine. And we are shifting into more and more of the divine feminine. And I'm a huge fan of that. But the divine masculine is very important as well. So there are times, specifically in a in a relationship, where you may meet a crossroads where you have to choose between love or consciousness, because you can choose to love that person like kind of like the way they want to be loved, or continue maybe even loving that person in that relationship but you almost feel like you have to ignore consciousness in a way in order to do that, where there may be something that you've had an epiphany about the relationship that you feel like you can't ignore consciously. So you ha it's, there's a trade-off, like either you need to sacrifice, I use that word lightly, but like maybe even end the relationship in order to choose consciousness or almost shut out consciousness and maybe even your self-growth in order to continue having that relationship. Yeah, some people, you know, just label it as tough love. And that's when you draw that line and a choice has to be made of, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the most loving thing, and that is tell you what you don't want to hear. If this ruins our relationship, I love you that much. Some people will never come to that point. And this is where... Nurturing can slip into enabling, and that's the fine line. So this is why it comes down, and I ask that question that no one really wants to answer, of when you have to make that choice. Do you choose consciousness or love? Because if you choose love in that time of tough love, you, you nurture, and you don't put that in their face, and you just allow them to just process it however they care to, and more than likely you will continue to play more and more of that role. Then others make the decision to 
you know, and this can be with a mate or it can be with a child. It, it goes, you know, many different ways. It can be just a friendship. But many people are judged by the way that they, you know, love or raise their child. And that tough love sometimes is, is necessary. And that is the masculine energy. And that nurturing energy is so important too. And so, you know, I just happen to feel that with children, it's the balance of both of those. And optimally, it's the balance of both of those from both parents. That's not gender oriented. It's energetically oriented that there is a balance between the masculine and feminine energies. There's a balance between discipline and nurturing and how those are, are played out. And I do feel that that's what most humans are really looking for is that balance and why many people will jump from one relationship to another and jump from one extreme to another uh, because they're really seeking a balance. We really find that through uh, our opposites and experiencing that. So, that's why the, you know, the name of this philosophy is the just philosophy and journeys unite seeking transformation. We, we attract each other in to play roles so that we can heal and so that we can grow. Um, so that's what this philosophy discusses, and the podcast does such a good job of, of going over it. I actually have a good example of how I've had an experience with this recently with a friend so I know this friend who I've been friends with for more than half my life. I know that deep down she wants to be a mother and she's in her upper 30s now. And we, you know, she openly talks about, discusses her, her dating life. And I see possibly a pattern of choosing against that what i believe is is like a goal of hers that she wants to be a mother and and you know every mm -hmm. year ticks by there's a certain point where that can no longer be possible or the risks are very high of mm -hmm. something not working out and i see the intent you know like her intention if it is an intention being ignored and the shiny object being you know something that she is potentially chasing and so I guess I, so I had the choice. Do I just lovingly accept her for who she is and where she is on her path mm -hmm. and let her, you know, support her in, in whatever avenue she chooses? Or do I say something to her just to remind her, maybe act as like a con like her consciousness mm -hmm. or, or her conscience? Right. How do you want to love her? I did just remind her. I'm like, you know, you, you, you did have this goal at one point do you still have that goal? And I just want to say that I'm not sure this is in line with that goal. And I just want to be a reminder here. You can take it as you want, but I just know that this was important to you and just want to be there to remind you that, but whatever you choose going forward is totally up to you and I support you. So I kind of took like a hybrid role in a way. You know, that's a delicate dance and per individual, you're going to have different levels of success with that. And, you know, it sounds like that was pretty successful. So good job with that. But that is that decision of, you know, I'm not saying that you, uh, you have to be stern or mean about it. It is just sharing information that somebody may not want to hear, you know, and it, with children, it's holding them to a discipline or an agreement that they knew about that they broke and being willing to once you set that um, that discipline that you stick to it because once you show them that you'll change then change the level of the discipline or the duration uh, then it's hard for them to respect that so this is you know really a discussion uh, around respect and how people respect their mate and how they want to be respected it's a vast, vast subject and one I do enjoy talking about because we're not trying to say that one's better than the other. It's really just about, first of all, being aware that it even exists and that lots of relationships are based off of one or the other. You know, I think the variable of seeing ourselves as whether we identify as man or woman, that we are able to see ourselves as carrying both the masculine and feminine energy whatever the exterior is. And when we get with another person, that's still to be nurtured individually and as the couple. 
And uh, as we said earlier, being able to see the planetary support system, how it supports that relationship and the communication is, is invaluable. And one of the challenges I see, you know, thinking about this myself or for other people would be like in my mind, I can kind of map out what I want to do or what I think I will do. But in that moment, we're called to exemplify, you know, what we think or what we want to do. And we may not end up doing that out of fear, right. out of emotional reaction, Conditioning. Out, out of losing somebody if we do go the consciousness route versus the love. So, so I mean, maybe you can get into like how important it is to exemplify. And, and I know I, this has actually happened to me in the past where um, I'm sure this has happened to many people, but I'm going to be vulnerable here mm-hmm. and say that I felt in my knowing that a relationship had to end, but then when it came down to it and, you know, coming to that point, you're, it's like you're, <laughs> you have this change in you where you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe right. it wasn't that oh, bad. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, Cold well, maybe feet. we can try it again. So, so it's like you're, I'm not obviously not exemplifying what I knew in that moment. Right. And I, it's almost like a sin, right? A and sin onto yeah, yourself. Yeah. If you look at sin as anything that takes you off your path, as we've discussed in the past, and taking all of that into account, it's important that we see that the practice is done internally. And so before you start looking at this too much in relating or relationships to see that you can practice it with yourself, like you said, that when you know that there's something that you need to do, then you stick to the discipline uh, to do that, to make yourself a better person. And most of us want to project and deal with somebody external and point out what they're not doing that they said they wanted to do. And that's why this work is all about the self and and turning the whys inside. Why am I allowing this to affect me? Why am I not sticking to the discipline that I already know that will benefit me? Typically with that why is I don't feel like the person allows themselves uh, time to just be that child, to just cut loose. I like to suggest to do it every day. It took me years to get to where I could experience it every day. But when you get to have a time to just be that, um, that inner child that just looks at life as amazing and doesn't worry about being judged and that kind of thing. So it, this can be done most of the time by yourself, to say whatever you want to say, to run around naked if you want to run around naked, to just do something that maybe you wouldn't do around others to feel a sense of freedom. Then when you have to be more controlled or the example, you have the strength to do that. And most people try to hold that too long and they ignore the little boy or little girl and it starts to get upset And so this is what starts to tear people. It creates an internal struggle. So practicing to reward yourself when you are being very disciplined by being able to take uh, 15 minutes in a day to just like do whatever feels like freeing. That doesn't harm anyone else, of course. That's why I'm suggesting you to do it like in your privacy. I watch my profanity when I'm like in the public eye. One thing, because it's just a typically a sign of ignorance of not being able to come up with a better word, but it is such a part of an expression in our culture that sometimes when no one is around, I'll just ramble out like eight or ten curse words just in a row to prove to myself that, yes, words are powerful, but they're not powerful at the same time if we don't give them power. And so it's just a a freeing feeling to know that I do manage my language pretty well, but I can do that because I allow myself to say whatever word, you know, comes to mind. When I was raising the boys at eight years old, I had that conversation with them and I said, listen, you can say any word that you want to around me, but it's all about right time, right place, right person, right duration. We talk about this in the uh, in previous episodes. And so I said, around me, you can say anything that you want, but around your mom, around your grandparents in public, you need to regulate those words. And so from my perspective, this was giving them an out, not teaching them that some words are good, some words are bad, all this stuff that's confusing for kids, but teaching them 
the right time, the right place, the right duration in front of the right person. And I think we can do that ourselves, take that as that discipline and just kind of step up our own uh, inner discipline a little bit and then allow that little kid to come out and play from time to time. So after you rattle off these like five or six curse words, do you laugh? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's part of it. Uh, (laughs) Those are the type of things that like if that people that are in the public eye, especially, uh, they can just get judged and ridiculed for just being a typical person, you know, and having a moment. So I try to prepare for those moments by like just releasing the vow from time to time in a very playful and uh, childlike way. And and I got that from, you know, studying so many different spiritual paths and religions that there was a consistent teaching of be more childlike. And I never really, really understood that until uh, a few years back for myself to that that truly allowing yourself to be non-judgmental at all and to just allow yourself to make noise, make sound, and make movement, and nobody judge it. See, it doesn't have to be a curse word. It could be just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's just a, it's this, it's the feeling of the expression and no fear of being judged, and that's what, to me, being childlike is, is that freedom of just expressing yourself with no fear. And that's what I want to invite more and more people to do uh, on a daily, but certainly weekly basis. And it sounds like you're, you're also talking about exploring the polarities of doing whatever you want so that when you can't do whatever you want, you're fine with that being in right. that energy. And it's very similar to to a conversation that I just brought up in our uh, podcast community on Facebook, which was the, the conversation about life or death. And we discussed as a community about how you really need to um, explore death and be okay with it in order to even enjoy life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was certainly the case for me. I mean, I had to go through a certain amount of death and with specific people uh, to really start enjoying life. And when I lost Sherry 12 years ago, you know, she was somebody that really loved life and was like sunshine. And to me, it was just work all the time. I was just doing this internal work. And, and so she was around to help me learn to begin to learn to enjoy life. And I can say that today I enjoy life more than I ever have, but it is through that loss uh, and losing connections of that carry so much importance so that you begin to see what's sacred. And uh, I think that's what our community needs to, to bring back in is uh, the act of sacred, uh, not just holidays, but things that are, are sacred, and that's developed between people. It's not something that's just set. I wanted to look at the other side of what I gave an example of, which was going in and having cold feet when exiting a relationship because I've uh, definitely had the other side of that experience, which is making a decision. And I also realized that uh, in those moments, I had acceptance around it. And when I made made a decision, had acceptance around it, and then stood in my power of what I knew, then nobody could change my mind because I knew what direction I had to go and I was absolute in that. Sure. So I think maybe going in and experiencing the cold feet type of thing was most likely, at least a part, a lack of acceptance. Yeah, yeah, lack of acceptance and just something that uh, you personally needed to work through. And and that's also connected to, you know, just self-doubt, which is acceptance as well. And uh, truly being comfortable with what comes with the decision. And, you know, we take that back to the very first uh, of the pillars of finding the divine guidance in the chaos. And it's whether we want to approach it like that of, you know, I pose the question of can we really make a wrong decision um, if everything's in divine guidance? But we torture ourselves uh, to think that because, you know, if... If you're meant to be with that person and you break up with them, they're going to come back. It's going to, uh, life is going to bring you back together. So uh, this is what sometimes people can seem more aloof, but they're really just more comfortable with decision-making because they know that, hey, it could change again just a few months down the road. So 
I'm not going to stress out so much about it right now. So once again, it's back to different ways that people process. And most people don't know their natural way of processing. They've been conditioned. And that's what I want the listeners to to really pay attention to is that you may not be processing as well as you think you do because you've been conditioned in how to process. Uh, so once you understand the, the, or I should say, the better you understand your processing, the faster and more um, kind of with the flow this processing actually happens. So, you know, the last thing we want people to do is to make up a, their decision on whether they want to practice love or consciousness throughout their life and then, like, go home to their mate <laughs> and be like, you're not conscious like enough. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what would you... Um, Tell the listeners, like, what's the best way to just uh, obviously start pondering this, like love or consciousness? How can they utilize this kind of polarity in their life now? Yeah, I think just uh, in your observation, taking that moment before you interact with somebody as to whether you are going to act from a point of love or a point of consciousness or maybe experience both in experiencing both that you just set an intention that I'm maybe going to go in this time from a nurturing, loving perspective to start with. And then I'm going to get to the consciousness and the teaching in that side and then reverse it the next time. And this is a wonderful opportunity to find out, you know, how your mate or the people around you truly respond optimally. And I would also just bring in also utilizing the right place, right time, right location, Right, right person, duration. right duration. Everybody stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness. Enjoy.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is w-i-s-e-w-h-y-s dot com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T. P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.